I need you to come down to the station. What? Me? To establish whether there are any suspicious circumstances. Do you think I killed Finn? Meet the Kennedys at Lassiter's, haul at the waterhole. A cup of tea at Harold Sonia's nursery for a stroll. It's time to neighbours. CJ, Kate and Bea. Let's get the neighbours. Hello, this is Neighbours. We are the Neighbours Recap Podcast and we overanalyze episodes of the Aussie soap opera Neighbours because it's the best time one can have in isolation and we are recording in isolation as well, isopod. I'm Vaya. I'm in the Pirate Net Studios, created this pod five years ago and we're still going strong. We have Kate who tweets at Remude on Twitter. Where are you calling in from? Hi everybody, I'm down at the Anglesey Backpackers, keeping well away from the backpackers. Yeah, you've booted them all out. But looking at Instagram today, um, Dr. Carl's also down in Anglesey as well. Oh, it's too bad you have to social distance from him. I know. I'm not actually planning on leaving our house, so um, I will get some binoculars out and keep an eye out for him. Over the fence like he does. And I also have Catherine Jones, better known as CJ the Hot Mess Mum on Instagram. Where are you connecting from? I'm connecting from the apartment that Carl and Izzy um, shared. So that's funny that he's up in Kate's and now I'm at another one of his houses. That's his style. It is his style. Um, And I feel that my house is slowly turning into what it would have turned into if they stayed there. Like there's a child here. (laughs) It's very messy. Izzy got a dog. Yep, there's a dog. Remember um, Susan and St. Beardy, the the Beardy guy that died? Yeah, the Kinski, old man Kinski. Mm. No, 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 not him. Like the beardy guy, after post Kinski, the the cancer guy. Oh, how did Kinski die then? No, I, look, I don't care. Okay. But there was another guy after that because she she glommed onto him, and then when he died, she actually went down to his holiday house and disappeared for a while, and that was in Anglesey. Ooh. So maybe Sue's inherited that house off Saint Beardy, and that's where they're staying right now. This is amazing theory. Neighbors universe, neighbors universe collide. So we hope everyone is hanging in there during the pandemic that we're all in. Um, And it seems to be that the one thing keeping a smile on all our faces is neighbours and our assessment of it. So I'm glad that that's all in our lives. What a week to have Endgame. Like it's been brilliant. Just the perfect distraction and rolling on into the, the aftermath. I found this last week. Just every single episode was outstanding. So we will break that down in a second. But firstly, Neighbours Council Business. The business again. Now, we know that there's a bit of some confusion over Neighbours restricting its production schedule, but they're not restricting it, but then bringing their holidays forward. But then in Australia, not changing the broadcast schedule. While in England, they are reducing to two episodes a week. What a muddle. Yeah, and it's obviously everyone's in a bit of a flap because it is our nice escape at the moment. But I just feel like wait it out a couple of weeks. I think everyone's learning. Productions are trying to figure out how best to play this so that everyone's safe. And I just think eventually we'll be back on track. I don't think we'll be out of sync 
for very long. I think it'll be okay. Hopefully, because I feel it was something that they really worked really hard to achieve. And it's it's really benefited the entire Neighbours fan community as well, that we're all on the same page, watching the same episodes. And I think it brings us together as a community. Yes. And obviously, we'll deep dive the episodes that air. <laughs> it's going to be hard. Yeah. But we will plan some treats. We're going to we'll do some extra buddy watches for Patreon, but we'll also do some extra deep dives into some classic episodes. You know what I was thinking? That if they only play two episodes a week in the UK, what a banger every second episode is going to be. <laughs> like there'll be no Lou choking on a peanut ever. I think it'll all work itself out, but we got you. Don't worry. Neighbours is hanging around. When this podcast started five years ago, we were six weeks ahead and we just put the date in the title and people would just listen when they caught up. Plus, I imagine, Vea, for your uh, podcast maternity leave, we'll, we will have recorded like a billion episodes. <laughs> yeah, true. Ready to drop. I could drip feed them. Well, speaking of which, that brings me to the next item of business, Q&A. So I want to have a couple of episodes up our sleeve for whenever anything hits the fan. If I do need to go on podcast maternity leave or if, you know, production has to shut down immediately or whatever has to happen. So we want to put together a Q&A episode. I feel like five years is enough time to, <laughs> that has lapsed before doing one. So I feel like you may have a few questions for us. They don't have to be neighbours related, but they can be. Actually, I really loved hearing all the um, comments in the last episode, Vaya. And it was really lovely to hear from all, all our listeners. And well done, everyone. Yes. So, yeah, we want to hear from you again. You can, well, you can voice memo your question because we love hearing other voices, or you can just email your question, neighbourspod at gmail.com. I'll make a thread in the Facebook group, Neighbours Council, or tweet us. Q&A, anything you want to ask, CJ, Kate, or Vaya, or all of us at once, we won't be picky, and we'll compile an episode to drop as needed. Finally, Patreon. Oh, our patrons are terrible at following instructions. I said, pause your membership if you need a breather. And instead of that, I got new patrons. Oh, my goodness. And I got people upping their subscription. Oh, oh, thank you. <laughs> Thanks for playing Opposites Day, <laughs> Neighbours community. We have Alex, we have Guy, and we have Jen that all joined the fam. Oh, welcome, everybody. Thank you so much. Also, Keely, Haley, and Beck, thank you for making adjustments to your subscriptions. Much appreciated. But, you know, you can drop back down at any time, but you're all lovely. And Simon went old school and dropped us a, a little PayPal treat. So our PayPal details are on our contact section of the website, neighbourspod.com. Thank you, Simon. Everyone's great. Thank you so much. And um, one day, Vayat, CJ, and I we'll be able to see each other in person again. <laughs> and we may have burgers one day. He'd have a communal meal again. And got to shout out one of our newest uh, members in the Neighbours Council, Stephen, who listens in this peri-apocalyptic new world for a modicum of comfort. No. You're welcome, Stephen. And finally, Gogglebox reviewed Endgame in Australia. So let's hear a little highlight from that. I've missed the last 22 years of Neighbours. Can someone tell me in five seconds what I've missed? A fair bit. Yeah, where's Ramsey Street? They've left it behind to go camping with the very evil... Is that Rob Mills? Oh, my God. I have such a thing for Millsy. What is going on? Oh, my God, he murdered her. He just killed his girlfriend. Oh, what the hell? And who's this guy? Keeps following him. Oh. 
just happens to be camping in a fresh linen pink shirt. Oh my god! Millsy is standing there naked on neighbours. Hello, Finn. Stop cutting away. Harry, when did you get out of prison? Prison? In a pink shirt? I don't think so. That's murder. That's amnesia. This is very Shakespeare, isn't it? Don't you dare compare this to Shakespeare. Oh, they're lovers. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> I can't go back to jail, Harry. No. What? They've been doing it in the bush together. The girl in the ditch. I wanted to watch them. He's going to have to whack him off too. Well, I think he just did. Oh, the rock for Tony. You can't kill Tony. He's been in for 30 years. <laughs> Poor Toadsmith. Toadstool. So that's the end of him on Neighbours after 50 years. God, Neighbours is different to what it was like 30 years ago. Oh, my God, it was so funny. All the reactions were, like, things that we were reacting to as well. And I love it because, they, yeah, they obviously know nothing about the storyline. They're like, what, is, is that Millsy? I hope they keep watching so that we can have them on as a guest. Like, I'd love Anastasia to do this podcast. You just want to be you want to be Anastasia, Faye. Well, look, I want to be Faye. I want to sit on the couch next to Anastasia and watch things with her. Oh my gosh! You want to drop your malakias and the... <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know what, Faye? There's a spare seat on her new couch. Oh yeah, you There's guys room. could just be three. I'd love it. This is business. It's not personal. So okay. What a week of episodes. It's going to be impossible to cover everything because there was just so much good stuff. Monday, we had the two-hander between Rob Mills and Jackie Woodburn and no other cast except for Baby Asta, who obviously does not have dialogue. How does that get underway? So, Millsy arrives in Erinsborough after having lit fire to the island and... Oh, excuse me. Bum. Bum Island. Bum Island. Oh, yes, of course. And he arrives back and he's pretty nonchalant. He's just arriving in the middle of the night. Susan's got her, her night clothes on. She's got her hoodie on. He's just like, oh, look, you know, B's in a bad place. We've got to get up to the, the Blue Mountains. Now, I've driven to Sydney. Kate, I'm sure that you know the facts on this, but are we thinking six-hour drive? Um, I think it was actually the Snowy Mountains. But, yeah, we're talking at, yeah, at least six, I'd say. And I think the cabin was about four hours from the island, which I'll get to. Some creative geography. But that poor baby is probably near death from dehydration. Yeah. Now, I don't know how long a baby can actually go without food. But, I mean, I'm thinking it's like four hours, five hours maybe at most. And that those five hours would be when they're asleep. Yes. And also, you know, she was wanting a drink. What looks kind of felt like mid-afternoon as well and then mm. Finn's mm. burning down Bum Island when it was evening and it was getting dark and then he finally gets to Aaron's Barrow and it's even darker and then it's like another four hours on top of that like that poor child said go to hospital she probably needs to be on a drip but also amazingly so she was very calm and asleep when Susan got out to the car so Millsy tells Susan that it's just him and her going to see B. He quickly shirts off the idea of Carl coming with them. Carl's finally got a shift. Yeah, he's at work. Can you imagine his road trip playlist? <laughs> oh, Miss Vanity. No, no, not Millsy, like Carl's. Oh. Just all the right prescri- prescription, just back to back. Yeah, um, but he can't play music because he doesn't want to wake the sleeping baby. I reckon he slipped that baby a little something in the back there. Well, to knock her out. He also had milk because remember Ellie sent him onto the boat to heat up the milk. So he did have at least one bottle. And he just never gave it to her. Whoa. That poor baby. Uh, except for 
Um, and we can talk about it because we're not going to go through this whole episode in detail because I just don't think we can do it justice. It's just – it was like watching a play, you know. Um, but later in that episode, he has a big, real dilemma about weeding her off of breast milk and transitioning to formula. Like he has a real moment where Susan's like, well, she's hungry. We have to go get formula. And he's like, oh, is she ready to change? I'm like, mate, you've killed people. You've burnt an island. Like you've got someone hostage. Now it's not. It's great that you're concerned about her feeding plan. <laughs> I think we're to gather from that that Ellie was in fact pumping milk on Bum Island which is above and beyond the call of motherhood. Oh, that is ridiculous. But I love it because he was just like, okay, as Vaya said, he's just killed all these people. And he's like, but is fed best? I'm not sure. <laughs> Let's talk about it. And Susan's like, we don't have time, mate. <laughs> I don't think Susan can just like turn on the tap either. <laughs> no. No. She's going to need a prescription. Maybe it would have been the right prescription, hey, Kate? <laughs> What an amazing reveal, though. So it's, it's about seven minutes into the episode and Susan's settled in for the road trip and Millsy wants to have all these DNMs about when she stopped trusting Carl and when she stopped loving Carl. And suddenly the baby lets out a cry from the back seat and Susan just is like, is that Asta? And look, you always got to check the back seat before you get in the car with a shonky person. Yeah. And as we mentioned in the last podcast episode, Asta, I mean, what an amazing little child. She... At any given moment, she's like, I'm going to set off the alarm. If anyone's interested, <laughs> things are going badly. She's great. Yeah, she's baby Lassie. I love her. She's like, well, I can't trust Aunty Suze to sort this out. I've got to get involved. And in the course of this episode, there's an it's just a really fascinating dynamic where at one point you think, is he trying to seduce Susan? And then he's, or does he just want a mother figure? Are you hobby? Oh, I always wanted mum to do this. You're more of a mother to me than she ever was. Try to sleep. You're safe now. I think I expected more from the episode because I thought it was going to play out like SVU. There's an episode of SVU where Olivia Benson is taken hostage by this serial killer and it's horrible. And then in the follow-up, he basically kills himself and puts it on to Olivia. And so then she's under suspicion. And I thought it was all going to roll out like that. And I was worried at one point that Millsy was going to assault Susan and it was going to be really horrific, but it actually just all played out really calmly. Yeah, like particularly when they were, you know, off to bed together. I'm like, <gasps> oh my God, this is dark, man. This isn't 6.30 Neighbours. No, it was very eerie. It was very mother, like a psycho probably, like a, the psycho of the film. Yeah. It was a very Freudian right down the middle between it being a mummy issue and slightly sexualized. Yeah, because he kept talking about, we don't, you don't need Carl, you've got me. Yeah. <laughs> and then they end up spooning <laughs> and Suze is the big spoon. Yes, and which led some people online to speculate if th that um, Harry would have been the big spoon. What's the power dynamic there? I, I feel like Finn was wanting some mothering, like he wanted to be the child in Suze's arms. I, I don't, I don't know if I can speculate on his uh, sexual preferences based upon that. I don't think Finn has sexual preferences. I think it, like sex is just a like a tool for him. Mm. Yeah, beautiful episode. It was just like watching a play, as I said, and it was a treat. I forgot to mention on Reddit, somebody was um, actually did a trying to work out whether Finn was a psychopath or not and actually um, went through a whole checklist, which I'll, I'll provide a link to that on the council. Wow. So did they decide he was? Was Finn Kelly a psychopath? 
Okay, so I love I love how modern it is. Was Finn Kelly? They 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 were like the second he was dead. Let's get on and write this list. Mm. The hair psychopathy checklist is used to assess the presence of psychopathy in individuals, so I thought it would be cool to use it on Finn. There are 20 items on the list, each scored on a three-point scale. They say the cutoff for a label of psychopathy is normally 25 or 30. This means, according to my personal assessment, Finn's score of 24 does not make him a psychopath. A pretty surprising result. I was expecting him to reach nearly um, 40. Although this is just off the top of my head, so of course if anyone else remembers stuff that I've forgotten, I can change my answers. Maybe this is Dr. Naka. I love it. It's his study. It's electric mohair on Reddit. <laughs> that rolls into Tuesday, and Tuesday is what we're going to deep dive. The 24th of March, 2020. We have the old credits still at this point, but Gary has been erased right out of there. And did you guys notice that the cannings are just a bit too happy? <laughs> oh, well, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, nuts. Coyle's like, oh, I'm loving having a bit of Grant's cooking now. (laughs) And then by the next day, we have Mackenzie added straight in there next to Yashvi. And then by the next day, we have the brand new theme song voiced by Bonnie Anderson, which I think is just lovely. I think she's done a really lovely job of, look, I'm going to say it. I've never said this on the record before, but it's a pretty average theme song. Like, I know... I know what? it's sentimental. I know it's been around forever. Did you see what I retweeted the Perfect Blend saying this week? The Twitter thing, name your top three TV theme songs. Oh, yeah. And they did. One, the Neighbours opening credits. <laughs> Two, the Neighbours closing credits. And three, the Neighbours piano music. <laughs> I think the Perfect Blend is looking through nostalgia glasses there. Or nostalgia earphones. No, they're loyal. They're loyal there. That's what they are. (laughs) Exactly. I think it's a perfectly serviceable TV theme song, but I just think it's hard yakka to do a good version of. And I think Bonnie's done a really pretty version of it. And I think it's a hard song to make pretty. And I just think she's brought this really lovely lyrical, vibrant quality to it. And a few people keep tagging me on Twitter saying, well, I don't like the track. I don't like the music. I'm like, I don't care. Like, it's nice and it's pretty. It's not perfect, like I'm sure, but I'm just going to enjoy it. My theory is with it is that it's always difficult um, when they change the theme. It sounds weird and unusual because you're not used to it, but give it a month or two and you'll be like, I can't remember the old theme. And I've been singing along to it and I never sing along to it. You know whose theme I would like to hear? The ah. No. No. (laughs) Carl, um, well, Carl, um, not Carl. Fletch, he um, did Neighbours Washing Your Hands on Instagram this week and I want him. I want the right right prescription version. Except I heard that rendition and it sounds very Barry Crocker. It sounds like he's doing a Barry Crocker impression. I love it. I loved it, Vaya. I loved it because it was so homey. Like it just made me feel warm and happy inside. It was also accompanied by Fletcher's cheesy grin too, which I think added an extra element to it. Mm. Anyway, I love this new version and um, I wonder if we'll get a whole credit revamp too, which would look cool. I don't mind it. I'm just scared because we've had some really crap credits in recent history, I reckon. So um, keep working with this one, guys. Splice people in and out as needed. Mm. And then we get this uh, previously and they recap Finn's backstory over some classical music. KB was trying to pick it and he thought it was some Vivaldi. And he's like, what's the psychopath music? And we were trying to Shazam it and we couldn't. So anyway, possible Vivaldi into, (laughs) into the episode. What Finn has done is he's dug a grave. He's dug a hole, proud of himself. (laughs) 
Finn dug a hole. <laughs> and he's filled it with water. It looked like he was doing a bit of grey water irrigation. Yeah, he's running the um the hose from the water tank down into it, which I don't know. I live on a hill. You guys know that. And um, we actually had to excavate a lot of our backyard by hand and it's all clay soil. It was a bastard doing all this by hand. But when it was wet, it was worse. I was, I was like, we were like out there going, this is like we're in the Somme basically here. We're getting stuck in the mud, losing shoes, having to dig shoes out to get them out. And I look at that hole and I go, you know what? Keep it dry. I think it'll work better. You know what? It was pretty isolated. I would have done a couple of digs and gone, this is very hard. I'm just going to throw Susan in the bush. Yeah. Why have it next to the house? Yeah. He dragged a bloody um, dinghy off the dunes into the water. I think he's got enough strength to drag poor little frail Susan out into the bushes. Maybe he's pulled a muscle. Maybe. Maybe he's done his back. Toadie put his back out. (laughs) Um, What was the purpose of the water? I think to make the soil softer. Yeah. But it doesn't, from my point of view, it would just make it stickier and kind of muddier. Now, when I watched this, I was um, mistaken because I was watching with one eye, up and one eye down as usual. And I, again, because I thought it was going down the SVU train, I thought he was digging a grave for himself to stage his own death to pin it on Susan. That's like, wow. Yeah, and it's only when I watched it for the second time that I saw him slip in the mud and get clonked on the head with the rock. And then I realized it was an accident. And so the whole thing played very differently for me on the second viewing. <laughs> that this, this is what happens, though, when you half-ass a shallow bush grave. If he'd just gone, you know what, I should probably dig this stone out. But he's gone, oh, what's it going to matter? I'm only going to put, like, say, 30 centimeters of soil on top of her here. It doesn't matter. You've got to commit. So, guys, I wanted to know... Were you happy with the way Finn died? I, look, I didn't want him to die, to be perfectly honest, because he was a good, bloody good villain for Aaron Sparrow. But I felt it was all right. Like he got the, you know, the, oh, I'm actually paralyzed for real this time and then got to drown. Yeah, like it was a slow death and kind of horrible. He put himself in a hole. Yeah. Like he finally, the hole gets him. But I thought it was a bit of a cop out. KB, my partner, calls it a Disney ending. He said it was mm. very Disney for the villain to accidentally kill themselves so the goodies don't have to kill him. A bit like in The Lion King, spoiler alert, uh, when um, Scar topples over the cliff, you know, so no one has to murder the, the baddie. Guess what, Bear? You actually did spoil The Lion King for me there. <laughs> Well, you've got Disney Plus. There's no excuse. It's a bloody classic. I haven't seen it either, but but I'm okay with it. Look, you've got no excuse. It's been out since the 90s. I agree. I also thought it was it was a little bit far-fetched. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like it has to be quite exact, right? The thing is we've already seen Susan push him off a cliff. We've already seen her basically attempting to murder him. So Yeah, so they couldn't go down that track again. That's why I think they had to bring in Ellie. Yeah, I kind of would have liked – so at this point, as everyone who's listening to this episode would know, we're still – we're a week on and, like, there's investigations going on and all that. And I kind of don't like – so Vea keeps bringing up a a Law and Order Special Victims Unit and it's always in the forefront of my mind too (laughs) – so, Law and Order, what was the other one called? Like Critical Assessment Team or something? Criminal Intent. Criminal Intent. So, Criminal Intent, the formula was that you know who the murderer was and that at the start of the episode, whereas SVU is the other way around. And I'm, I'm not really loving that I know what happened. Yeah, they could have made it kind of fuzzy, couldn't they? Yeah. 
Yeah, they should have concealed it. They shouldn't have had Ellie's final goodbye to him. So I'm not I'm not against the way he died, just that I've got to sit there and be like, no, Ellie didn't kill him. Mm. The, like all of it. I just wish it wasn't an accident. I don't know if there's restrictions on having a main cast member do a murder. Because the same thing happened with um, Ham Roast in the hot tub. We thought it was Tyler, but no, mm. someone else came and finished it off. And I think that's happened a few times. I think it happened with Sky herself. Perfect Blend told me a cracker of a story about Sky Mangle getting falsely imprisoned, um, which I'll get to. But this was his plan. While he's enacting his plan out the back, Ellie appears. And this was the biggest, whoa, whoa, have I missed something? How did this happen moment? This is a four-hour drive from Bum Island. So Ellie has somehow gotten off this burning island. We find out as they were being rescued, she just jumps in her car and drives off because she's got the address that Harry Sinclair had left. That's okay. She doesn't call the cops. She doesn't say, hey, I think my baby's in danger. I think she might be here. I'm going to find her. Nothing. It's very strange because surely that's what you do. You'd go, oh, my God. Okay, I'm just going to ring Triple O right now and they can send the cops out straight away to save my child's life. At the very least, have an ambulance there because also – she doesn't know what state Aster's in. No. So you want to send an ambulance to the house immediately. Mm. What? I mean, I know she's been through a trauma, but where's her, where is her head at? I think the idea is that there was, like, she didn't have a phone. Yeah. So, like, we don't know who had a phone. Like, they get off the boat and I think at, like, at that point, the only thing she's got as a vehicle is a car. But you stop at a servo and you say, hey, I'm in an emergency. I need to call the police from your phone. I don't think so. I think in a flight or flight response, she did exactly what her body was telling her to do. But in a four-hour road trip, you don't need to stop and wee? Well, I mean, you'd just wee on yourself if you had to get to your baby. <laughs> you'd be like, oh, this is Pierce's car. Yeah. Who cares? <laughs> he can buy five more. <laughs> Actually, the most unbelievable part is that she was able to find it without a phone and without GPS. Wow. But then again... Pierce's car probably has some sort of satellite thing that I don't even understand. Yeah, she probably just talked to the car and it took her there. Now, at this point, we flash back to Erinsborough and Carl is bringing in the victims of Bum Island one at a time, filling people in. Dr. Knack is involved and Carl says, the details are sketchy. I'm like, not really. They've been chopping in from an island. Millsy's been burning it down. <laughs> you think Pierce would at least demand to go to a decent hospital? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why Dr. Knack is back from leave. He's still compromised with his kidney. Well, he says to Carl, half the street was on that island. I want to help. Yeah, I'm like, that's why you shouldn't be involved. But, and if this was Grey's Anatomy, he'd have to go and do um, some paperwork and get his rights back. But not at Erinsborough. You just say, <laughs> where are the scrubs? I'm in. <laughs> now, Harlow's been placed in a coma because of the snake bite. Now, Paul comes in. Yeah, Paul gets to the hospital and he's like, look, he's pretty much in brown face. He's he's <laughs> covered in soot. No one's bothered to wipe his face. And that's basically it for the rest of the week. He's completely covered in soot for the week, wearing the same filthy, filthy clothes, despite the fact that people were going back and forth from his house and getting changed. He's just wallowing in his own filth. Yeah, not even a baby wipe to the face. And I think Therese changed outfits like maybe four times. <laughs> And she never at any point goes and gets her husband a new outfit. I asked my husband about that. I said, look, wouldn't they just offer him like a scrubs top or something like that to change into? And he goes, oh, well, I think maybe if, if he like had some personal hygiene issues, they might. So like maybe if he was really stinky. 
but maybe not. Or even if someone runs down to the gift shop, grabs a, I went to Erinsborough Hospital and all I got was this stupid T-shirt instead of treatment T-shirt. Yeah. But what's happened on, on Bum Island is that they're all kind of gathered together and did somebody realise that they needed to look down the mine shaft? This was a flurry of exposition and activity. I really thought we could have had an extra day on tying up the loose ends, but it hinges on Paul and Toadie because they run into um, beautiful Harry Sinclair on the road uh, holding them up with the gun and then they like, Didn't appear to have a dog with him. No, but then they talk him through what Finn's been up to and so suddenly he's not looking like such an attractive life partner for Harry and Harry sees that he left Toadie to die and then they look over and see the island ablaze and they're like, oh, P.S., he's going to burn everyone to the ground. Yeah, and Toadie's like, oh, for God's sakes... He's into Ellie. He's not into you. Mm. I know. And that's what does it. It's not all the murdering. It's just, look, mate, he's into this other girl. He's just not that into you, Harry. Yeah. <laughs> that was the missing chapter of that book. Harry's Harry's like the booty call for Finn. Yeah. Yep. Which is fine if that's what you want out of it, but Harry wanted more. And so he drives Toadie and Paul to the jetty. This is where they've all lost their marbles because – I mean, they're trying to call the rescue services, the SES, but meanwhile, they just grab a boat and set sail for the island. I mean, I guess to their credit, it would take wherever the SES, SES is a while to get over, to get a boat there over to Bum Island. So they may as, may as well go first. Because Paul wants to rescue his granddaughter, Harlow. Toadie, I don't know, probably can't even see straight. I, th- I don't think Toadie gets on the island. I think he waits at the jetty. For the rescue workers. I think Harry helps. Oh, yeah, because Harry would be the one who mentioned about the um, bee down the hole. Right, yeah. So he goes, I'll give you the map and I'll tell you where the campsite is and where the mine shaft is. And that's where he's turfed everyone. Which mine shaft? The old Watson mine. Oh, did you see that? I reckon I've worked out where I you know, became compelled to say it like that. No, but I did see that Millsy started saying it that way on his online content. With Finn Bushbeat in the mineshaft, uh, the old Watson mine. I reckon, like me, he must have just been force-fed on a diet of get smart as a child. Oh, uh, of course. And because, um, you know, when <laughs> Maxwell Smart you know, talks about it, he goes, oh, the old key in the ear hole trick or something like that. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. I think it's. I think that's where I'm getting old Watson Maine from. Yeah, that would make perfect sense. Now everyone's in. Everyone's down there. There's a beautiful moment where Pierce wants to send Chloe and Hendrix to the chopper to get chopped out straight away, and Hendrix doesn't want to leave Harlow. And Pierce is like, "You've got to go," and he's got to leave his wife and son. And off they go. And then he leads everyone else to the mine to rescue the victims. So then they get there, they're throwing ropes down, the fire's burning, it's drama city, and then we have that heartbreaking moment where they find the girls. Ellie's been turfed down there too. Oh, yeah, the, the woman trap's working really well. Yeah, except it doesn't kill any of them. His first plan was to kill B, and now he's like, oh, well, it'll collect them. <laughs> I guess it's like a humane trap. <laughs> oh, what a long death. Wouldn't that take, like, a good week to die? In there? Yeah. Oh. Especially she got a few snacks out of Harlow's backpack. I mean, they could last quite a while. If the walls are kind of damp down there, mm. maybe they could just collect a bit of water down there and it's just, yeah, they could last weeks. So basically to escape the fire now, all the rescuers have to jump down the hole too, 
which is making it feel like a, a disaster from a third world country now, like where everyone's jumping in to rescue the person in front of them and, yeah, no, suddenly you've got 15 people dead. Yeah, it's the old lady who swallowed a fly. Um, <laughs> and then, yeah, so as, as you were saying, Vaya, Kyle wants to – he yells out to Ali, where's dad? Oh, my heart mm. splintered into a million pieces. And who moves the scene along? Our amazing Paul. (laughs) He grabs Kyle and he says, if you don't go down there, Sheila's going to lose two people that she loves. Do you want that? Oh, that was incredible. That killed me. And he just gets down there. So I just think Sheila and Moneybangs have always got like this love-hate situation. It's always, you know, on tender hooks. And I feel like one day Kyle's going to tell Sheila this and she's going to be forever emotionally indebted to Paul. It's beautiful. So then at this point, yeah, mind clubs happening down there. You got Pierce, Coyle, Paul, Ellie, B, Harlow, um, Roxy. She's there comforting Harlow really sweetly. And then the chopper gets them all out. And then, and then at one point, Pierce is like, hey, where's your kid? To Ellie. Oh, God. Also, I, if I was Ellie, I'd be hysterical the entire time. Like, he's taken my baby. But it's only when Pierce says, where's your baby, that she remembers. She's like, oh, he took her. I think that kind of says volumes about Ellie, to be perfectly honest. (laughs) So that's when she sets off. Kate, you mentioned last week that Bea and Harlow should have tried to climb the walls and so forth. I think if a mother is down there and the baby's been taken, that's when you would have the strength to climb the walls. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah, that's when you make a human ladder. Yeah, exactly. I'd be like, B, I don't give a shit if you've broken your femur. Give me a boost. And pick up the lifeless body of Harlow and she can get, stand yeah. on her. <laughs> exactly. Get the backpack involved. The snake can help me out. Um, <laughs> incredible scenes. Ellie, finally. Grab Suze, unties her. She's got the baby. They run out to the car. They're about to make a break for it. And then Susan hears Finn calling out for help. Meanwhile, Susan's meant to be tied up, so sucks to be you, Finn. Yeah. That's where I thought it was deliberate, where he's like, Susan, help me, help me. And, you know. Well, that's what they would have thought. Surely you'd just go, um, well, he's clearly trying to be a psycho here. Yeah. Because he's just going to walk in and go, oh, did you think I was hurt? Did you think you had a chance? Yeah. Reaching out to her empathy. But at this point, Ellie bundles them into the car and then stops and says she's going to go. And um, make sure he doesn't hurt them again. Oh, eek. Sinister. We're led to believe that if Finn wasn't dead, Ellie was going to kill him. I guess so. Yeah. What was her plan? Well, I, that's the only thing I can believe. Yeah, I mean, it's logical. Go and finish him. But that said, 99% of the time he would finish you. So maybe just get in the car and drive off. Just get in the car and go. Get somebody. Get the fuzz involved. Yeah. Look, get in the car, drive home, and just don't invite him to come and live with you again. Maybe that's a start. <laughs> By the way, Ellie looks great at this point, I've got to say. She's been through what she's been through. Look, she just looks like she's got a lot of bronzer on. Yeah. She and Chloe, the Neighbours Council observed that it looked like they've had some contouring. They've used the soot and they've made it work to their advantage. This is just like I'm, an, I'm a celebrity, get me out of here, the way they um, turned yeah, soot from like burnt sticks into eyeliner and um, eyebrow pencil. <laughs> yeah. There's always the hot young contestant on Survivor or whatever that looks like they were born for this world. That's what Ellie and Chloe, like they were born for these disaster looks. I just think that um, April is a delight and the makeup people are like, we can't even make you look bad. You're a beautiful person. Let's (laughs) contour you. (laughs) 
So Ellie gets to the grave. She, like a good Melbourneian, she turns the tap off because nobody <laughs> likes to see a running, running tap around here. She looks down into the, the shallow bush grave and all she sees is muddy water. And um, I don't know what would compel her to do this, but she jumps down, reaches into the murk and kind of drags up Finn. Well, because he bobs up eerily, like he bobs up and then sinks back down. Oh, that maybe that was just like his kind of death gasp. Ooh. Grim. Anyway, he, he dead. She feels for the pulse. Nah, he gone. My partner KB observed, at this point, KB is like fully um, Stockholm Syndrome with neighbours. Like he's just really in this right now. And he was like, oh, look, it's only taken 35 years of the show for him to get yeah, to this point. Exactly. He's like, what's her MO here? She's turned the tap off. If he's alive and dangerous, she's just alerted him to the fact that she's right there because the running water's now stopped and he's distracted. So that's foolish. Mm-hmm. But you can't, man. There's like water restrictions. <laughs> <laughs> Think of the farmers. So she has this final goodbye moment with Finn, with all the stuff he's done to them and then... She shoves him down and then starts filling in the hole. I think that's like trauma and sleep deprivation has just made her go, you know what? It is. No one's ever going to find you now, mate. I mean, what a sight to behold. The fuzz finally turn up. Two officers turn up as she's filling in the hole. Her prints are on the tap. They were quick. Susan had only rang them three minutes before. (laughs) Yes, that's why Ellie should have called them when she was on her way. Susan, they might have knocked on the door while he was spooning Sue's. Imagine if Finn wasn't so concerned with Asta's feeding schedule. Like, it could have been far worse. Anyway, speaking of worse, the big... Oh, God. Okay, so I was watching some of these Endgame episodes on uh, Preview Screener and we had access to as many as the Tuesday app. And CJ had watched ahead and I had turned on the Tuesday app and I got exactly five minutes in and the bit that I had to stop was when Coyle opens the door to the cannery steps through and looks at Sheila and I was like, nah, I absolutely am not emotionally ready to watch this and I left it for like five days until the episode aired and that's when I could watch it. Thankfully on the actual episode, he walks in and then it cuts away from her really quickly. He just said, they wouldn't let me look for him and then it cuts away so you didn't have to sit with it for too long. But man, I was not ready for the canning situation. Yeah. Look, I I don't want to be like – that famous Neighbours fan on the internet about this whole situation, but there was no blood. <laughs> For Gary, there was blood. There was blood. Okay, look, there was a small, small flesh wound of blood there. <laughs> it's, it's not like they've busted an artery or something, which would, you know, to kill him. Look, <laughs> Finn's a nutter, and that island seems to have a lot of strangers visiting it for some for an abandoned island. Who's to say there wasn't another fisherman just kind of wandering around the island that day while um, Finn was a bit kind of arrow happy? And what if he also like harpooned someone else? can't believe you're a gas can truther. And that's the person who they've found the charred remains of Rando Fisherman. And that's the body that's now in the Erinsborough Hospital morgue. And Gazcan has, has done a bit of a deep list and lost his memory and has gone off in the fisherman's boat. CJ, are you hearing this? Um, there wasn't blood, but there was flies on his face. Okay, he was <laughs> dead as dead dead. Mark my words, he will be back. Oh, man. He will be back for Neighbours 50th, okay? He was the colour of mud. Guys, I'm not denying that he was looking unwell. 
<laughs> Maybe it's just having a snooze. I don't. I know we don't trust Ellie for a lot, but I trust her to do a positive ID on his body. But you are denying this like you've never watched Neighbours before. We have <laughs> seen in recent years far more ridiculous storylines than what I'm hypothesising here. That is true. However, as Kyle said, even if he had lived, he would have burnt to death. You know what? He'd keeled over. He, he's gotten up. He's gotten in the other rando fisherman's boat and he's sailed off to wherever he's going. By the way, Damien Richardson, it doesn't matter because he's on my shit list now because I was watching a behind-the-scenes video of the Gazcan death and Damien, firstly, were, the interviewer was like asking him, oh, what's, you know, your favourite thing about playing Gary? And he's like, look, I'm sure he's done some good stuff. Um, people can probably go back and have a look. He couldn't think of one good thing Gary had done, which was hilarious. Secondly, he finishes his chat and goes, anyway, thanks, England, for watching. Um, see you later. And I was like, excuse me, we watch too. I know that it's a majority English audience. And you live in the next street from him. Yeah, I'm your neighbour. Like, we're going to see each other down the fruit shop. <laughs> Not for the next six months. No, I don't appreciate being erased like that, Damo. So, ladies, can you all think of one good thing that Gazcan did? <laughs> I can only think of one. Um, the the Limber Ladybug? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Well, the, his final moments was he was trying to fight for the rights of abused women. <laughs> by warning everyone that their attacker was on the downward spiral. Right, I'll, I'll pay that too. So he's good in the sack and he comes through in the end. But that that's it? Well, he used his um, sexual prowess to make Amy give him the money so that um, Zankan can become a doctor at Trump University. <laughs> oh, Amy's never getting that cash back. Never. <sighs> I don't imagine he had much life insurance. Zankan's probably already been fleeced by Brocan as well. Yeah. Oh, Zankan. Okay, so then the first interaction we have with Kyle and Sheila, Kyle is trying to get it out that his dad has died. Sheila just immediately starts moving through the stages of grief. She's in denial. She's like, well, maybe Ellie was wrong, which is a fair point. I'll, I'll pay that. She's like, maybe Ellie didn't see it properly, you know. She's just really struggling to take it all in. Then he has to have that conversation with Xanthi, his sister, in Queensland, and I'm sure, I don't know if you guys have, but like I've had to, I've made that call. I've been on the other end of that call where you have to, you know, receive that news or give that news that someone's died. And all the advice is you have to really say they've died. You can't say, you know, try not to say passed away because you really want to make the news to be concrete so the other person can absorb it and not have any doubt. And it's horrifying. That call ugh, was just so raw and real. Apart from the fact where he, where he says, yeah, Xanthi, um, dad was, uh, he was on Pierce's Island. Xanthi, <laughs> hey, have you got Ben with you? It's about dad. I'm so sorry. Dad died. <sighs> we were on Pierce's Island. Yeah, it's, it's surely that's the point where Zankan would go, hang on, what? Pierce has an island? Tell me more. Record scratch. And then we just see... Collett's face through this phone call and it just breaks a thousand hearts. It's like that moment later in the week where she goes to get the washing off the line and Gazcan's T-shirt's on there and she just completely crumbles. It was I just these – because these actors, they have to go to a real place to get those emotions. They don't mm. just pretend. They have to think of really horrifying things. So I don't know. It's a lot. And Colette was perfect. She was so withdrawn 
And you know that moment that you're talking about where she was looking at the pegs? Mm. And because you know what it is. Like after something's happened like that, you stand there and you and then you like look down and you're like, what am I doing? What are pegs? Mm. Yeah. Why? And then you see the shirt and it's just, yeah. Yeah. I remember when I once got a phone call like this, my hair was wet. I just remember I just washed my hair. And then so I was sitting on the couch for like half an hour just sitting there thinking about the fact that I had wet hair and just like yeah, I had just done a very normal thing and now this is horrible news. <sighs> um, did you see that article with Colette Mann where she was talking about how um, she demanded that like to have no s- stupid jokes in the waterhole the next week, that sort of thing, that she they needed to acknowledge Sheila's grief and let her, let her grieve properly for an appropriate amount of time. Beautiful. I did love, though, there was a moment during the week where she was talking to, I can't remember who, but she was trying to work out where Prue had gone and where Gary, like, I wonder if Prue and Gary are in the same place, yeah. same place as Finn, and she was working about who was in heaven and who was in hell, which was delightful. And, Maya, where does she decide that she wants Gary to be? I, I missed it. What? With Frank. Oh. oh, he's not real dad. Because <laughs> Kate's on the Gazram theory, mm. Tom Ramsey. Yes, the Gazram. <laughs> Through the whole week, I kept plum forgetting that Prue had exploded. Yeah. Like, I kept forgetting. They kept reminding me and I kept forgetting, <sighs> which we'll get to. Now, there's another beautiful scene I want to acknowledge in the hospital room, B's hospital room. The Kennedys all come back together and obviously this whole thing is all your faults. <laughs> mainly Carl and Susan, but I will grant them the fact that they needed to express their emotions and they all embraced each other and they're all crying and hugging and it was gorgeous. And then Susan fainted. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was always going to happen. The um, stress-induced MS. Yeah, and also she, didn't, she hadn't slept for a really long time. Mm. I want to point out, while it is all everyone's fault, Ali was the last one to come to the Finn party. Yeah. And while she did kiss him, she was like, hey, guys, why are you letting the guy that tried to kill us all live in the house? Hmm. No, she pushed the bloody issue, remember? She got blackmailed into it by Sean. Oh, yeah. Dry toast. Yeah, she. Yeah, no, she did. But he was already in with Susan and, and no, he was already in with Susan, not B. But, yeah, but, but that's why it was such a, an about face because she was the last cog in the machine because they were everyone else was on board and she wouldn't budge yeah. and that's why her opinion carried so much weight and with the blackmail because mm. she wouldn't allow it and then she did mm. anyway Suze, you got a lot to answer for here yeah she really does like i'm normally pretty easy on them but Suze, come on and even jackie herself like when i met her in person and she just filmed these scenes she was like i don't know if people are gonna come back to susan in a hurry like this is a lot yeah Oh, because she gets even bloody worse later in the week as well. Yes, the the news comes out that Prue's died and Hendo's the one that tells her because he thinks, oh, I thought everyone knew. Anyway, Prue died and she Susan has a complete breakdown. That was her tipping point. Oh, superbly performed. Oh, it, I was right in there with her. I felt that it was because she felt guilt. Yeah, I felt that too. That she's like, oh, one more body. If the body count keeps rising, this is all my fault. Yeah. And almost like when she can say, oh, look, Finn attacked my family, right? Because Gary's not in her family and neither's Prue. Yeah. She, they can at least be like, look, I'm sorry, Ali, and I'm sorry, B. But this is like, 
look at what my actions have done to the people around me further mm. or fear, as as Kay mentions the rings of grief being Susan in the middle of your ring is not good for you. <laughs> you don't end up in a good situation. <laughs> Finally, though, um, everyone's being very careful around Harlow because they don't want her to find out when she wakes up that her mother's been exploded. But also Paul is taking a lot of his aggression out on Hendrix, which is kind of a relief because usually it's the young women of the show that are on the receiving end of that. But Paul's now reading the right act to Hendrix and won't let him be around. He's like, get out. You know, because he blames him for leading Harlow astray and putting her in danger. I think that's pretty normal. I think that that's what most um, father figures would do. At this point, Mark, Detmeck, Too Bad Page, um, Palawan's going to have to wait because Mark's in town to head up this investigation of for the death of Finn Kelly and he's got Ellie Conway in for questioning for a formal statement due to the suspicious circumstances. Which is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Why would an interstate cop who happens to be the ex-husband yeah. of this suspicious person be the person that sits down to do the first interview? Yeah. Another dark day for Aaron's Borough Police. It's bonkers. Seriously, get Yashvi to do it before him. I'd be more comfortable with that. But then who else CJ joins the investigation? So um, Sky shows up and she's asking questions and, and Mark's like, look, this is police business, you attractive young lass don't don't come near this you know important business and she's like oh let me just remind you that I outrank you I'm senior yeah blah 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 from wherever she's from senior detective from the Queensland right yeah from Queensland from Palm Cove which is not known as a hotbed of criminal activity really yeah it wouldn't take long to be senior detective up there I guess (laughs) so this must be what the tri-state operation was it was Victoria South Australia and Queensland (laughs) right we just skipped New South Wales yep they just didn't know it yet what's incredible here is that a lot of people online have been very vocal about the fact that this doesn't feel true to Sky's character now we haven't seen Sky for a very long time so we can't but I don't know. She used to have blue hair. She's moved past her youth. Yeah. Like she's going to be very different to the 21-year-old we last saw. The perfect blend reminded me that Sky had been falsely imprisoned, <laughs> which is a bananas storyline. It's incredible. While I find it, CJ, I think your opinion reflected a lot of the broad opinions. What? How did you feel about this? Well, so firstly, I'm 38 and my hair's pink. So we don't necessarily grow out of these things. Yeah, but you're not a cop now, are you? No, exactly. I just don't think Skye's become cops. But anyway, if they have to, do they have to become shit? Oh, yeah. Is it Erinsborough that's done this to them? Okay. It is. It's the way It's the way of being a cop there. It's like, remember Mishti? She was cool and fun-loving before she um, joined the Erinsborough Police Force. Then she became boring and a killjoy. And even like Detmech himself, when he's just a mech, he's not so much of a, a prat. Yeah. I just thought, well, firstly, Sky becomes the detective on the case because they want someone from out of town. So why not get someone that used to live there and knows half of the people involved if you want someone from out of town? Like this is get someone from actual out of town, maybe maybe one of the states that wasn't involved in the operation. And then I reckon if we squid closely enough, Sky's probably related to Ellie in some way. Probably. Anyway, regardless, she comes on board and she is immediately, and I'm interested to hear what Vaya was saying about Sky being falsely imprisoned, but she immediately wants to blame Ali. Now, even if Ali did murder him, I don't think it would be considered a flat-out murder. 
because he had just stolen her baby. No. She was a victim of crime herself. Yeah. Domestic violence, kidnapping, Susan. Like they were under immense amount of pressure as well in that moment. Yeah. Like you think she'd be looking at manslaughter really. Yeah. But also at the post-mortem, it would show that he'd suffered a blow to the back of his head that had caused the paralysis. And surely there would be something in that wound that matches the, the rock in the pit that he had been digging because they, he, his hands would be covered in abrasions and um, possibly blisters from actually digging that hole. It was a big enough hole to, like, screw up your hands. I just feel it, with a decent lawyer, Ellie should be able to get off these um, charges. Well, Sarah in the Neighbours Council said if she'd come back as a lawyer, I think I'd feel better about it. And what a kick-ass lawyer she would be to come in representing Ellie. Oh, I'd love to see her humiliate Mark that way. Yes. That's the thing. If she'd come back as and she was a lawyer, that's much more Sky because Sky was well, she was intelligent, so lawyer that makes sense. But also, she was always fighting for what what was right and right against the man, not for the man. You know, and just like her mum, actually. Oh, was she? I didn't know. Yeah, that. yeah, Carrie Bishop. She oh, was up yes. there protesting against the the duck hunters. Yeah, and the premise was always that they were they had a lot in common, even though she'd not really known her at all. Mm. All right, Perfect Blend, perfectblend.net for all your backstory needs. They say, the only way I'm justifying Sky being a detective is that she wants to ensure no one is falsely imprisoned like she was, which was for murdering fake spiritualist Terence Chesterton with a sugar pourer, but Dr. Charlotte Stone delivered a second and final blow. So that was the old ham roast scenario. Can't remember any of them. Perfect Blend has provided handy links to all of that. Um, I think I, this was uni days. I think I was out having a great time, not having a neighbour's time the way I choose to now. But I would prefer that she'd be fighting for Ellie to say, I don't want her to be wrongly convicted. I'm going to get to the bottom of this and then have Det Mech with his axe to grind being like. Yeah, being his usual self. Yeah, excuse me, she's sus. And then later in the week slaps the cuffs on her. Oh, He's yeah. with Sky. The, but the best part of this was when they dragged Suze in for questioning and Suze could not have found a bigger road train to chuck Ellie under. She's just like, <laughs> she she could have said something like, oh, we heard Finn call out, so Ellie just went over to, to see if she could find him. But now she's like, no, Ellie went off and she's she said, I'm, I'm going to finish him. <laughs> oh. On the council, it was mentioned that any opportunity Susan's got to throw Ellie under the bus, she is so done with that. She just wants Ellie's baby and for Ellie to go away. <laughs> Ethically, though, what would you girls do if you'd witnessed your niece say, finish him? Would you tell that bit to the cops? No. Are you kidding me? Finn Kelly? Oh, Susan, you're an absolute see you next Tuesday. <laughs> you just go, oh, she, must, she mumbled something, but I couldn't quite make it out. Everything's a blur, to be honest. I can't even remember really getting from the house into the car. I would just say, yeah, everything's traumatic. And we heard Finn yelling and Ali wanted to make sure that like he nah, was stop on now, Stop now. Stop now. Stop now, CJ. Just don't even go into that detail. Yeah. Well, you're right. Yeah, you're right, Kate. You just say, I don't know. The, the baby was crying. Exactly. Yeah. Also, Ali went and then three minutes later, the cops got there. Like... Mm. There wasn't time for any of this is what all you need to communicate. But bloody Susan, Jesus. She's the worst. This is like a really big example of her misogyny that she's – it's always there, isn't it? Mm. 
I don't often agree with you, Kate, but I am there. <laughs> I really, I need them to turn it around. I can't cope with Susan like this. I still love her, though. I can't stop. Ah. Oh. I'm obsessed with her. And just looking into her earnest face, the start of Monday's episode where she just earnestly goes, I'm just going to go get my things. She just wants to help and find her niece Mm. and oh, she breaks my heart. A couple of things I wanted to touch on before we round off is Harlow listening to the voicemail of the end of her mother's life. The first voicemail she listens to, I was like, oh, that's not as bad bad as I remember that's it's yeah I mean it's not great but it's not devastating yeah but then the second one that she listens to I'm like oh yeah there's the venom I remembered and poor Harlow's face like Gemma this is some excellent acting from her she's really dug into some personal experience and is devastated I don't know how she would have found that personal experience but she dug into something I don't know I don't know she's not an experienced actor so she's done some amazing work here Brutal, absolutely brutal. I'd forgotten, because obviously we saw the explosion, I'd forgotten that she was still on the phone when that explosion happened. So I didn't know that the death was captured for Harlow to hear. I mean, when she listened back to it, it just sounded like a little crackle. I just thought it didn't sound like a break in the connection, but Harlow straight away just went, something exploded. Mm. What the hell's happened? She's pretty cluey. Yeah, yeah. As is to rage, by the way, earlier in the week when they pin- put the pieces together super fast, when Aaron's police are like, the- there was a bomb, we think Finn planted it, it was in a box, why was there a box? And then to rage remembered all the minute details of the event and she was like, Prue mentioned having a drink, there was champagne in the box because I packed those boxes and therefore she would have opened the box and triggered the bomb. It was like, wow, to rage just blew this case wide open. <laughs> tied a bow on that. Maybe this is her next calling. Yes. Because um, she was a tearaway kid like Sky. Thank God for Tarage though because this could have been yeah weeks and weeks of Mark Brennan investigations trying to work out <laughs> what the hell happened. Where was the bomb? So Harlow has to hear the moment where her mum dies on the phone. It's just this week just when you think you can't watch something more harrowing, there it is. <laughs> for God's sakes though, like somebody just get her a new phone. Just say, oh, here, why don't you just use Roxy's phone for a while? Paul should have yanked that out of her hand the minute she dialed. And they shouldn't have left her alone, the poor little chicken, yeah. when they all went to talk to the cops and she's there crying on her own. Oh, but how about how beautiful is Hendrix? He just turns up and he says all the right things, which is there's not much you can say, but he was just no. there to comfort her. And I was like, oh, you're beautiful. And he matures. Yeah. So Paul comes in and Hendrix has been there and they've been, you know, just Harlow's coming too. So they're just sort of going through a few events and they didn't really go far down the track. Paul comes in and he's very like, he was like a cat burglar, like on his little tippy toes, like, oh, I've walked into this. I've got to extract the person from the room. And he said, did you tell her? And he said, no, it's not my place. Like very mature. So mature. Mature for someone who not six months ago was trying to go the pash with his stepmother-to-be. That wasn't a place either, buddy, but Mm. that didn't seem to matter. And for someone who's had some pretty neglectful parenting as well, I think he's basically had to parent himself. Although he realises very late in the week that he's got some half-decent parents, he said, and a third. He's now got three half-decent parents. And that was so cute. Chloe goes, oh, did you just call me (laughs) half-decent? Ding, ding. Tickets, please. (laughs) 
I'm Gary, and I've got tickets on myself. I'm the chef at the 82 Tram Cafe, Erinsborough, inviting you to come and have a gander. Pack in like it's peak hour, enjoy some native tucker and pie form, and uh, drink out of jars that Dr. Carl saved from his pasta sauce. Need to book a function? Throw a surprise wedding for your bride-to-be in a tram. We might even serve desserts with fresh cacao. Don't worry, we've given the joint a once-over since I trashed it, so stumble aboard and stuff your gob full of roadkill. The 82. We put the ding in dingus. For the rest of the week, kangaroo pies and emu quiches are 75% off. No one else in the kitchen knows how to make them. Finally, citizen shitizen. Yeah, it's it's a lot to sift through here. Yeah, how do you pick? I feel I can give both, to be honest. Oh, go for it, Kate. I'm going to give citizen to Hendrix for just what we just discussed, how beautiful he was with Harlow and how lovely, you know, in her time of grief, he was there to support her as a friend. And not easy as a teenager no. to navigate those waters. And you know what it's not easy? It's not easy at the start of a relationship where you have to like put it on speed to like deal with these kind of emotions. He was perfect. And Brownie points as well to Roxy for turning up with grief burgers for Coil. Yeah. Because that was the perfect, <laughs> perfect touch. And they were very fresh to a relationship as well when this happened too. <laughs> and I think I'm going to have to give Shittison to um, Detmec. Oh. Mm. Complete and utter lack of ethics in arresting his ex-wife. And again, your colleague is standing beside you and he kind of mumbles at Sky, like, are you going to go do it? And just make your other colleague go and arrest the person. You don't have to do it. No, because she outranks him and she asked him to do it. <sighs> but I'd say it would have been his best day ever. <laughs> yeah. I can't take that back. I mean, to think of what she put him through. So I'm just going to go citizen to Pierce. So in the investigation room when he's going through with Chloe and Mark, everything that's happened, they're being interviewed in a dark room, which does seem inappropriate for victims of crime, but anyway. Mm -hmm. So he said, all I can think about is that I'm never going to see my wife and son again. Sorry, you have a daughter. Also, erasure. And so even if he's talking about him dying, he still should worry about the her. Even if he's talking about those two, like it doesn't matter. Like the fact that he just fully in the middle of a trauma and after it just forgot about that other child again. Pierce, you need to go to fatherhood lessons. We haven't forgotten Pierce. You're not off the hook just because Hendrix has come good. Hmm. It's because she was a transaction. Remember, like he didn't want Alana. She was just a transaction. It was nothing to do with you. But he went and spent a week with her recently. That should have warmed him up. Yeah. And fill in your mind on your island. I'm going to go shitizen Ellie Conway because we've all seen true crime and we've seen fictional crime and I bet Ellie's um, consumed a season or two of SVU. You do not put your fingerprints all over a crime scene, get into the mud, put your DNA all over the crime scene and the body when you've got a baby that's on its last legs and your ailing auntie, get in the goddamn car, get the fuzz on the phone. I don't know what your state is, but you've made a bloody dog's breakfast of this crime scene and I have no sympathy for your arrest. It's stupidity. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Guys, we were all wrong in all our nominations here because there is one clear citizen oh. of the bloody year already and that's Susan Kennedy. <laughs> I'll get a bigger gong sound effect for her. Susan, dead to me. Right out your knees. Yep. Bang. I reckon she's got unresolved Liz issues. 
Yeah. She's just sticking it to her sister's kid at every opportunity. Look, it's a whole golden child scapegoat thing yes. as well. Like, I'm sure she wouldn't do this to B because B's like the golden child. But yeah, Ellie, I mean, mm. she, look, I have to say she's the perennial fuck up anyway. But <laughs> yeah, you suck, Susan Kennedy. Well, speaking of Susan, I did tweet out possible Logie's nominations. We have to get behind her in, in hashtag form. I mean, she's made me feel pretty passionate, so that's that's got to be a good thing. <laughs> we'll get some Logie's hashtags going for her and Coyle and Sheila, I reckon, for this week. Well, has anyone got anything that's non-death related to go out on? I've just been doing a bit of knitting this week and I've teased it on Twitter as well. So I've been taking photos of my in-progress of, of whatever I'm knitting, trying to get people to guess it. Then last night I actually assembled what I'm knitting and realised that I've been using the wrong size needles. So now I have to completely start again. And this, instead of this being resolved today on Twitter, it's probably going to take another few days. So I love this, Kate. It's like when neighbours promised that all the people would be dead in one week and they were like, nah, sorry, we've got to give it another couple of days. Oh, nice. Yeah. I've got the time to do it. I may as well just do it again. <laughs> have you guys been doing anything to keep you busy? I've been gardening. Well, I planted some seeds. I bet you did. You did that a few months back. <laughs> oh, yes, yes. No, that's yeah, that's well planted. Um, I planted some baby asters. No. However, the seedlings started to sprout, but then my cat had a bit of a dig around. Bilko had a dig around in one of the pots. Oh. So I think we've only got one surviving seedling of baby aster. That's right. You only need one. Yeah. So we're, I'm fighting for my last seedling. So I'm going out there and watering and prodding the soil. We might get a few more. I'll keep you posted. CJ, anything fun for you? I mean, look, I, I, like everyone else, had a tough week and then I got in the mail, I got a silver um, card from the RACV, which is people that come and fix your car if it's broken down by the side of the road in Victoria. And I don't know why, but that seemed to entirely shift my mood. I got up and I said, well, they don't just give everyone a silver card. I'm going to be a good person. <laughs> and I don't know why, it just turned me. CJ, they don't just give everyone a silver RACV card, but they gave me one too. <laughs> don't, don't take this. Don't take this from her. Don't take this from her. <laughs> oh, no, 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 it's good. We're sharing it. We're sharing the concept of having a silver card. It's probably because we've both been members for a, a requisite amount of time. So Yeah, I got one too. <laughs> Hang on, so Vaya's got Silver buddies. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's awesome. Well, you don't even need a map to travel, so I I would expect you to have a gold one. <laughs> you know what? I've been working from home. That's That can get a bit hard, and so I must say that just jumping on the council every now and then throughout the day and hearing, you know, silly neighbours things that make my day, that's been the positive sparks to my week. This is, this is isolation life. You've got to celebrate your wins, however big or yeah. small. Keep celebrating with us in the Neighbours Council. We got you. Don't worry about the broadcast schedule. We'll be across it. We'll be here for yous. We've done it before. We can do it again. Yes. And then some bonus apps. Now that we've got Grace and Global Communications tying us together. Neighbours Council on Facebook. Neighbours Pod on Twitter. Kate's on Twitter. Indeed I am. And you can say it. Your hand. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's 11pm. Okay. Yes. I'm at Remude on Twitter. CJ's on Insta. CJ the Hot Mess Mum on Instagram. Or I'm Vays, V-A-Y-S, or Vaya Pashas on Twitter. And neighbourspod.com for all our contact information. And don't forget to rate or review us on Apple Podcasts. You've got time. Get out there. Give us a rating. Give us a review. Come on, put us up in the ratings. 
And send us questions for our Q&A bonus episode. Send us so many. Yeah. And we will chat again next week and hopefully someone will give us a ceramic pig story because we need it. Yes. Speak soon, guys. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye.